Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You are in the right spot listening to the right podcast if you're an agent, a broker owner, a team leader, and you're looking to work smarter, not harder, and you're looking to attract more high-end and luxury listings or luxury buyers to your portfolio. Again, I believe that there's four primary price points in any market. You got entry-level properties, you got average price properties, you got high-end, and you have luxury. And the goal for this show is to give you more confidence, more tools, and more resources to add more high-end and luxury properties to the portfolio of homes you represent. As I mentioned, Michael Lafito here. If you have any email, uh, excuse me, if you have any questions, send me an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Questions that you have, questions that you have for our guest, um, that sort of thing, just shoot us an email. Or if you have any uh, recommendations for a future guest, go ahead and shoot those over to michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. And do me a huge favor. If you're getting some great nuggets, we have listeners across the world. I just had someone on our last, uh, after our last last show, send me uh, a nice note, and they're from Australia. So if you are getting some great nuggets and content, do us a favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, That would be great. And uh, let's get right into today's show. So as I mentioned in the past, we've had, you know, rock star agents. We have strategic alliances. We have, you know, various people uh, join us. And today I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Jay Macklin, who's the broker owner of Platinum Living Realty out of the Scottsdale market. And um, Jay, if, if you don't mind, maybe just uh, give, you know, give the folks a, a little background on uh, how many years you've been in real estate. I know that you were with uh, Remax previously, breaking off into uh, independent, running your own company. But uh, give everybody just a little background on uh, you and, and, and your, um, I guess, your story story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for, I appreciate being on here. Um, yeah, so uh, I got into real estate 2006. Before that, I spent 20 years in the car business, and I know it's very similar to what we do now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got into 2006. I watched my wife uh, do, you know, just kill it from 2003 to 2005 and decided I was going to get my license because I thought it was a nice quick fix to make some money and got in here. And then I realized I had a license. I, I have a computer. I need buyers and sellers. And I had absolutely zero clue on how to get them. So uh, as the years progressed, uh, we went through a family tragedy in 2006, and uh, Michelle kind of got out of the business. I kind of took over, got into it. 2008 came, and I'm literally dusting off my resume to get back into the real estate market or get back in the car business because I, I, I didn't have a sustainable business. I didn't have enough people sitting in front of me on a daily basis that wanted to buy and sell real estate. So went to a, a coaching program or went to a conference or whatever it was, got really jazzed up again, got into that system, uh, was able to uh, make some money in 2009, and then 2010 came, and I kind of did what a lot of agents do. They they look at their P&L and they go, wow, what do I pay? What do I get? Like, you know, for my brokerage. And so we decided that I was going to go out and start my own company, and of course that cost me way more than I was gonna, thought I was going to save. Um, 
And then I just did that for our team. So Michelle and I had a, uh, had a team. We grew a team to about uh, eight agents. I had two ISAs, an assistant, uh, five OSAs, uh, OSAs, outside sales agents, um, working in the Scottsdale market. And, you know, we didn't really focus necessarily on luxury at that time. We just focused. We kind of did the star pattern wherever the business came. We kind of took it. Um, but then as we got better and better, we kind of really focused more onto the luxury marketing and luxury uh, market because that's it was just a product of our environment. That's where we live in the Scottsdale area. And, uh, yeah, from then, we in 2013, we decided to buy uh, the national franchise brand. And then uh, uh, July of last year, we just decided uh, we did the same thing with our P&L and decided that it was just time to make a change and kind of move in the, a little bit more of a luxury direction and a market that we felt that uh, needed a change. So that was a fast forward from 2006 to 2019, and uh, and here we are. So July we uh, we went to Platinum Living Realty, just a independent luxury company, and uh, uh, we're uh, we're doing well. We're recruiting a lot of really really great agents and really providing some good value to these agents um, uh, from a direct marketing lead gen systems training standpoint. Well, so that's and, where uh, we are now. And, you know, many times agents, brokerages, team leaders, um, especially if they're with an independent, uh, they feel like they need to be with a large franchise. Um, you know, you mentioned Remax, but, you know, of course, we have Real G and all those brands and Sotheby's and, and the Christie's affiliates. And, and, you know, here you, you know, broke away and, and you started an independent here, Platinum Living Realty. And can you, can you talk to, um, you know, maybe uh, downplay those myths a little bit as far as limiting beliefs um, that, that agents or brokerages tell themselves? Of course, a brand can definitely help, um, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, if that was a factor before you, you know, broke off and, and went independent. Yeah, you know, um, when we uh, we were our own little company, it was a little company called Desert Platinum Properties back in 2010. And and one of the reasons I decided that I uh, wanted to buy the franchise brand was that I, I felt that same way. I felt that God, I could I could really get more business if I had a brand behind me. Um, and and I did a really good job of generating enough buyer and seller leads. And I just for whatever reason didn't maybe didn't feel like I was getting into the into the market that I wanted to. So that's why we got into it. But as I got more into it, I realized that it's it's no different than any other professional service business. Like when you're going out looking for a, an attorney, you don't pick the law firm, you pick the attorney. And so what I've realized is that as the internet got better and systems got better and technology for, for consumers got better, uh, you know, the, the, the brand equity uh, just feel, felt like it was less and less important as to a name, and it, it became really important as to a unique selling proposition. Like, why would I choose you, Michael, versus another agent versus a brand? Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I think what a lot of agents feel like, though, is that they feel, and trust me, those brands are great. And I have nothing bad to say about them, and I really, I'm at where I'm at now because of them, but I, I do feel that uh, at one point or another, depending on what market you're in, too. It, it, now, this is Phoenix, Arizona, right? We are we are the hub of anybody who wants to try anything new, man, go to Phoenix and, and you're going to try it, like Open Door and OfferPad and Homey and Purple Bricks. I mean, we are living in that world. And so for us, you know, I, I think it probably starts here, and I think it it, uh, it is less uh, – there's less value – no, I shouldn't say less value. There's uh, – it 
there's less equity in the brand when it comes to a name versus, and, and, and when I say a name, I also mean Platinum Living Realty, right? It's about the value the agent brings for the consumer. And so we decided that we were going to try to pour as much value as we could into the agent to elevate their experience so that they could then uh, elevate the client experience. But, uh, but from a brand standpoint, I think agents get into a brand because they like systems. They like the feel of, of being, uh, having something behind them. Um, I, I guess it's no different when you go to the store and you buy aspirin. I still buy Bayer aspirin because I know I have trust equity in the brand that it's going to do what I want it to do. But from a service business, I think that's where it kind of falls apart a little bit. I think it's less and less valued and I think it's really specific on an agent and what they can do versus the brand. Uh, that's a very, very good explanation of that. And out of curiosity, Jay, if, if there's an, you know, because you still sell, correct, as a broker owner? No, no, I'm a, I haven't sold in uh, oh, about. Sell anymore? Okay, no. very good. Because nope. my about question was going to be, you know, if an agent joined Platinum Living Realty and they're a newer agent or they don't experience, they haven't experienced, you know, any high end or luxury listings. Um, you know, one of the things I always tell agents is, you know, hey, work with somebody in your office and, and work your open houses mm-hmm. you know, that are in an elevated price point, so to speak, just so you, you know, you, you become comfortable with it and you start to work with those clientele that that's on. Unre- represented. Uh, is that something that, you know, you recommend as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have, uh, I have four or five, uh, really good agents who really do nothing but high end and they're really good about sharing things. Uh, one happens to be my wife. She doesn't really take new acquisition p- uh, business, but she does deal with her past clients and referrals. And she definitely works and lives in that, uh, what I call more Uber luxury, uh, Two million and above for us. I know that seems odd for some parts of the country, but um, you know, for us, you know, if we, we we've got a couple six and a half million dollar listings, and that's that's a big deal here. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I have one agent who just came over from a company that does a great job in a general real estate market, and she's like, "Man, I really want to get into luxury." And I said, "Okay, you need to immerse yourself into that world. You need to know the nuances. You need to, you know, tour the homes and work with the agents doing the open houses and understand the link." And and understand the you know uh, the process of a luxury market and yeah so we do that a lot we really kind of set them up as a as a system and a progress to make sure that they understand what the luxury market is and what's surprising and you probably see this too is that some people after that whole process kind of get out and go you know I think I'm I think I'm okay without doing luxury so there's a small portion of people that just don't want to do what has to be done in the luxury market so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, and uh, you brought up a uh, a good point. You know, two million dollars and above. You're mentioning that's the price point your your wife typically handles. And and for those listeners that perhaps are tuning in for the first time or you know don't understand some of the terminology that we teach through our luxury listing specialist certification, um, re- luxury is all relative. So for our certification and our course, we define luxury homes as homes that are three times whatever the average sale prices for your given market. So last year I was doing a training in Crown Point, Indiana, blue collar, you know, Midwest, average mm-hmm. sale price 167. And and I had an agent come up to me afterward and say, hey, I'm so glad I attended. I was a little hesitant because we don't have a lot of million dollar plus properties here, but based on your terminology and your definition of 3X, the average sale price for our market, we definitely have a lot of 500 plus. And so it's really all relative. So yeah, $2 million might not 
get you much in 90210, but it's going to get you a, a lot in in Rochester, New York, or Iowa, or or one of the right. you know the the middle uh, you know states, et cetera. So it's really all relative. So uh, again, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I just wanted to you know circle back to that. And you brought because yeah, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's because it's not necessarily a price that drives luxury. It's sophistication level, and it's it's the way that consumers act and react to marketing. It's how they respond if there's a gatekeeper. It has nothing to do with value or price. It just happens to float into that based on what's in that market. So, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with that. Of course, in real estate, with with a lot of these various websites, for example, Luxury Portfolio, you know, they won't put up. If you're if you're an independent, you can find out more information about them. They're based in Chicago. You know, big fans of Paul Booms and what they're doing over there. But for example, Luxury Portfolio won't put a property on their website unless it's a million dollars and above. So, so although I, I completely agree with you, sometimes some of these third party sites, you, you, it has to qualify based on price point. However, luxury it's all relative and Mm -hmm. uh, you know so tell us you and I were talking a little bit offline about you know hey what are we going to talk about today and you know you threw out a term which I'm very familiar with Um, I know you do some coaching with Craig Proctor Craig is a big fan and and a client of Dan Kennedy's and I'm a big Dan Kennedy Mm -hmm. fan of direct response marketing talk to me a little bit about direct response marketing when it comes to luxury. And, and, and for those people that don't know what direct response marketing, how would you define it? Anything that gets a direct response. Um, offering, you know, per, what I talk about with agents is, uh, you know, a lot of agents want to get into luxury, as you know. And so, especially in our market, it's it's really attractive because, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, people are like, wow, I, I, I like the elegance or I like, I, I, I want to live and breathe in that world. And very, and for the record, very small percent of agents live and breathe in the luxury market here just because we're such a huge, I mean, there's 5 million people in, in uh, the, the city of Phoenix area, Phoenix metro area, um, but we have a very small luxury segment. Uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, so direct response is a, uh, a marketing piece that gets a buyer or seller to raise their hand and identify uh, that they're interested in buying and selling. Uh, and it gives up the one thing that they don't want to give up, which is their anonymity. So it's got to be something that is unique and compelling and uh, offers value to the consumer. Uh, and, most, and most of the time, it's not about the agent, right? It's, it's what's in it for the consumer. It could be about the benefit of using an agent that benefits the consumer, um, but it's anything that just allows a consumer at any given point to uh, theoretically raise their hand and identify that they want to buy and sell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Pretty self-explanatory. Just So direct response, having a call to action at the end of a marketing piece, some kind of call to action that's definitive versus, you know, hey, Call me. I guess. Yeah, call me. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's just a call to action. It's it's not a really good one. Yeah. No. Anything that like we really push on unique selling propositions. I know you've heard these all the time before. And 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 I got into you know the Proctor program a long time ago, and I really I really I heard about it, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. But then I I thought I I became a really good student of human behavior and consumer behavior, and I realized that I was just talking to one of my agents. He he puts out this thing that was, uh, and he works in the luxury market, and he's like, hey, uh, you know puts out this marketing piece in this magazine, you know, just sold for 97% of asking price. And I said, and I, and I text him and I said, what I said, so is that good? And he goes, well, well, yeah, it's good. I'm like, well, as a consumer, I don't know that that's good. 
Right. Like as a consumer, I may think 100% is good, right? I mean, unless you can identify the difference or what the average agent does or what other agents are doing, I don't know that 97% is better. So articulating a value proposition as to, hey, we just sold this home at 97% of asking price. The average agent only gets 95%, and that's because of our buyer acquisition system, our marketing program, our, uh, you know, uh, uh, negotiating strategy, whatever that is, articulating a unique and compelling value. And I'm not saying it's any different from what other agents, it's just proprietary pieces of the service industry process that we provide. That's a lot of P's in there. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com. You're absolutely right. So putting some kind of context, I tell uh, agents all the time as well when we're doing our trainings, the most listened to radio station that the consumer listens to is WIIFM. What's in it for me? And as an agent, you need to know that. So when you're creating a marketing piece, whether it be digital or print or, you know, a posting or an educational video or Facebook Live, you know, you, you have to understand, you know, content marketing. How are you going to position yourself as a leading authority by giving great content, but also addressing the elephants in the room, addressing the radio station they listen to, and the radio station agents should listen to is AAT, all about them. So when you're sitting across <laughs> from a consumer, figuring out their why, figuring out why they want to sell or what's important in a home that they're looking in the Scottsdale area mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. So just listening because what you think might be important to, to most or, or you isn't important to them. So again, you have two ears, one mouth for a reason, and that's just a a good reminder. So what are you seeing right now? Here we are, you know, going into, uh, by the time this releases, we'll be in the second quarter of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Our luxury prices uh, in the second quarter of 2019 and in the Scottsdale Phoenix uh, marketplace, you know, how are they compared to a, a, a year ago overall? And then specifically, let's just say a million dollars and above. Yes. So um, it's actually, it's interesting. The sales are actually up. Uh, We're up about 4% from last year. But what's interesting is we're kind of entering into this um, uh, low... uh, low inventory, low demand market. We're because we're, we we were in this uh, low demand or uh, low supply, high demand, and now we're kind of shifting more into this healthy market, particularly in the in the luxury. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing we are seeing some price adjustments, more so about twenty two percent month over month as it goes uh, as a whole. Uh, but what I'm noticing is that there are definitely more. Uh, sales in that three and a half to six million dollar market that we've ever had. So the Uber luxury for us is definitely moving at a faster pace. Uh, and I think what's happening as appreciation happens here in Arizona is that homes that were priced in that 800 to 900 range are now priced in that million to million two. So there's a larger, uh, larger access to homes in that price range, which you know, when people come out here from, like you mentioned, Indiana, and they're like, oh my God, this is all you get for a million dollars in Arizona. And then you come from California, and they're like, "Oh my God, I can get all that house for only you know." So it's right. a different uh, mindset when it, when you're coming from two different places. So really? um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a shift. We're not, you know, so many people are so worried about a shift or a disruption in the marketplace. And quite frankly, I love trends. And I look at numbers, and I just don't see it. I just don't see. I mean, we're definitely moving into more of a 
uh, a we'll definitely get more into that healthier market because at one point we were 15, 16,000 listings for two and a half, three years. Normally for us, it's about 30,000 uh, for a for a, you know for an area of about five million, just under five million people. That's not a lot of houses for sale, and I'm sure Chicago is. I know it's much bigger, but uh, when you look at the number of homes and the days in the market and, you know, month supply, it's interesting when you look at luxury, we definitely tend to lean a little bit higher on the month supply only because we don't have that many uh, buyers in this market. I, I, I talked to some friends who live in Orange County in, in Newport Beach, and they're like, yeah, was showing a $22.5 million house, you know, and I'm just like, my God, we don't have those. Like, we don't have an ocean, right? So can't dictate that kind of numbers. But we definitely see uh, a very, very healthy luxury market here uh, because you can get a lot for the money. Yeah, it, 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 it is relative. I mean, I was literally talking to Mauricio from the agency yesterday, and he, he was, you know, meeting a client at an $80 million property out in you know, the Beverly Hills market. And, um, you know, the highest price property for sale in the Chicagoland market is $45 million, and that's been on for two-plus years. It's, it's probably, yeah. you know, well-priced high. But, um, you know, what, what, nuggets, any, any any nuggets, anything that you're, uh, as a coach or just in your own marketplace that you're saying, hey, uh, you know, Jay, I have a stale listing, luxury listing. You know, do you have any nuggets, anything that you see that's a little bit different, unconventional, that maybe one of your agents or maybe someone you're coaching is, has, uh, you know, getting some success on a, a stale listing. I hate to use the word stale, but maybe a, a luxury listing that's not getting showings activity. We know, you know, price comes down to price, but any any other uh, suggestions or uh, nuggets that um, you know I'm, I'm hitting you uh, unexpectedly? Yeah, so that's okay. Talked about, but yeah, no. You know what we've done is uh, we got we 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 had a lot of that at one point, and so we we sat down. And we all right. How do we find? How do we get? Let me back up a little bit. Back in the car business, I. Uh, I, <laughs> I used to have, I used to be in charge of ordering all the new cars and I worked for a, a, an Audi dealership. Well, Audi reminded me a lot like luxury homes because it was so specific. It was, it was a bit cult-like, like you had to know Audis to buy Audis. And when I first started there, I was like, are these Swedish or these German? They're like, what are these? I don't even know, you know, I have no clue what they are. But when I got into them, I really realized that there is a following for Audis and there's a following for edgy out of the box cars. And so I got really big into, I would order, you know, baseball leather brown with a blue top and a yellow body. I mean, I would, my boss came down one time. He's like, dude, I'm going to take your crayons away. You're, you're ordering some funky cars. But what I realized is that I was going after a segment of the market that wasn't being tapped into. And so I found that market by just doing some strategy and trying to figure out who are the people like where will people go across the country or across the pond to find that one car that just doesn't exist? And the answer is yes. So when we started talking about selling houses, we thought, well, the reason the house hasn't sold or hasn't got any offers is you just haven't found the right buyer. And so, you know, a lot of people look at me like, well, you know, thanks, Captain Obvious. That's pretty, that's, that's very true. But I'm like, no, what I'm saying is that if you historically go back and look at homes like that, and I know luxury is hard to do because they're they're uniquely different in their own right, but if you go back and you look at uh, area, location, or uh, location view, price, amenities, things that people buy these homes, and if you can do the legwork to find out who historically has bought a home like that, it might actually predictively tell you who might buy a home like that. So using a little bit of reverse history to 
to use, and then using that in a predictive analytics way to find out who your target might be to buy that home. And when I asked, we used to ask the homeowners all the time that, you know, we're like, hey, who do you think would buy your home? And, and they'd give us this, you know, rendition of, oh, it's a family with four and they got two dogs and they're coming from the East Coast. And, and, and then we end up selling the house and it had nothing even close to that, right? It was completely different. So if you go back and do the history of homes like the one that you have, that's a struggled listing, and I call it struggled, um, go back and find out who the buyer specifically is. And then uh, we do that by tax records. And then we, I hate to use the word stock, but we, we actually look them up on social media. We, we find out commonalities of different things that we can find out. If the last five people that bought a 10,000 square foot home in this community, uh, you know, in this price range were female doctors from Chicago or from, you know, whatever, guess what? I might, target my market to people that are female doctors in Chicago, right? So I can do that with Facebook. I can do that with Instagram. I can do that with other social media ways, videos. I can be very direct and, and very pinpoint when it comes to marketing. It doesn't always 100% work, but it's a better opportunity than just spray and pray, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that. In, that. That's a given. But if we can get really specific and target on our marketing, only going after the people who historically bought a home like that, we may have better results. Yeah, that's and, uh, and at very least, at very very least, you will feel good about yourself that you're actually trying to do something, and that your seller sees that you're going after a specific target market that would most likely buy that home. Yeah, the target market. I like to use the word avatar. Who's who's your buyer, right? And uh, and really trying to narrow it down. But as you said, uh, you might think it's a you know family uh, with uh, several kids because of the lifestyle and the sports court, and then it's a you know uh, older uh, empty nester. You know, I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. And sometimes it's an anomaly. Sometimes you're like, okay, well, there's no really no commonalities, but it could be anything. It could be, uh, you know, could be, and I hate to get into political and religious stuff, but you just don't know where these people, you know, generally, I look at, you know, uh, uh, jobs and what they do in the career, you know, things that are super easy to be common in. Uh, and, and, and that's, uh, and that's just a good starting point. Yeah, no, it really is. Yeah. Um, uh, good, good, good information. Um, yeah. out, of, out of curiosity, do you recommend um, on your high-end and unique properties that uh, you know the sellers look at a pre-appraisal? Uh, it's a unique enough property. Uh, there's no true comps because it's one of a kind. You know, I'm a big advocate in that in our marketplace, and I talk to agents in other markets, and and they are as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, because our, I agree 100%. I, I'm all in favor of that. Um, a, a large percentage of our, our purchases out here are cash, so it's not necessarily for financing purposes, right? It's just for valuation purposes and really keeping the seller in line as to what the true value is. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm a huge proponent of that. If you uh, if uh, if the sellers are willing to do it, and, and some of our agents actually put that in their uh, their pre-sale package. So part of our pre-sale package is we're going to, you know, help stage it. We'll pay for staging. We'll do this. We'll do that. Um, and part of that is that that uh, uh, appraisal uh, before listing. So, yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. You know, and, and again, as you know, that's certainly an opinion of value. But, um, you know, it, it's hard when you have this, you know, 10,000 square foot just monster next to this, you know, 1,800, you know, square foot, 1942 teardown um, in a community sometimes. As a, uh, we have an area here called Paradise Valley, which you have such a variation of value, and that's where it really starts to play a role. When you're in that master plan community, you can usually get a fairly decent price per foot, and you can have a starting point at least. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, good, 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 all good ideas and good tips. And we're going to start a a new uh, a new segment to this podcast. Uh, do you have any crazy, fun, wacky uh, stories when it comes to luxury? Or like, I, for example, just this week, it's always something. And I'm sure you've had these. And uh, this is not my first, by the way, but uh, just a important. Uh, I guess, announcement when you're dealing with high-end and luxury, you're dealing with security and private clients. So I'm mm-hmm. marketing a home right now. It's, uh, it's called $6 million, and uh, the pre-approval letter came over, and I always call the lender just to verify that they, in fact, wrote this and that sort of thing. And uh, a couple red flags popped up for me on this one. A, there was no phone number on it. B, the, the email address uh, was uh, kind of like a Gmail versus a professional one and and then see uh, the address. I Google it. I couldn't find the company associated at this address. It was another mm-hmm. address. So, long story short, it was a fraudulent pre-approval letter. Uh, do wow. you have any crazy stories like this that just come to mind that you might want to share? Uh, whether it be fun, crazy, fraudulent, uh, celebrity-based, um, and if not, that's okay. Again, hitting you uh, with something that I didn't prepare you with. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. We uh, we actually do. It's interesting. I don't know if it's fun. It's interesting is that we do have a lot, and we get a lot of sports celebrities, movie you know, movie celebrities uh, more now than we've ever had. Um, I think we're so close. Of course, we have spring training here, right? Arizona and Florida are the the big baseball. So we have a lot of baseball players. We have a lot of politicians. Believe it or not, one of our listings is a. uh, I, I can't say her her name, but she was an ex politician. She was on the ballot to be the vice president uh, of the United States uh, here a few years ago. So anyway, okay, um, okay. yeah. Uh, so you, you, and so that, and then you also, it, it's just interesting. And and some people, it's interesting. Some people are so private, like they, you know, you you got to go through gatekeeper, through gatekeeper, through gatekeeper before you get them. And then some people are just so natural. Like you can just hook them up, hit them up on, on Instagram and they'll be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, I mean, they're so, they don't really care. Um, yeah. so it's interesting the, you know, the differences and, and, uh, we've done a really good job. I have one gal who runs a marketing campaign, um, uh, sports athlete, uh, is your home fit for an athlete, right? That type of thing. And I had a, a guy who used to be here, he kind of started it and he still runs it, but it's that type of marketing to sellers that are, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, my well, heck, my home's fit for an athlete. I've got a sport court. I've got this indoor, you know, whatever. And and so it's kind of a cool little marketing piece that uh, they're putting together to see if, you know, if their home would fit their book of athletes that they use or, uh, you know, celebrities. So, yeah, we get a lot of that here. Uh, it's In the beginning when I first started, it's pretty cool. Now I'm like, eh, okay, there's, you know, like I was just, we were just having lunch uh, at one of our local hangouts um, and, uh you know, two, three people that walk in and, and there's Michael Phelps playing golf. I'm like, oh, there's Michael Phelps. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I'm not name dropping, but I was just yeah. like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? It's just, it's yeah. interesting in how, uh, you, you, you know, in the years past, I grew up in Detroit, so we didn't see a lot of that there. And for me, coming out here, it, it's just so natural to see those people. Mm. So it's kind of cool. But, you know, I'm not starstruck, so that's not who I am. But it's funny yeah. how uh, some people, you know, make you jump through those hoops. But, you know, like you were saying about that fraudulent uh, prequel letter, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of us, you know, when, when something starts going in that direction and you just think it's too good to be true, it, it sometimes is. So yeah. you got to yeah. do your due diligence on that part. 
Yeah, good good points. Good point. Yeah. And um, again, just a tip for those listening. Again, if you don't have luxury listings and you're not a part of a team or a brand that has a lot of luxury properties, tour some. Go on some of these broker tours and some of these high end properties and and familiarize yourself with your market and and feel comfortable walking in these properties. That's something you can do on a on a zero dollar budget. So. Um, really appreciate your time today, Jay. And if anybody has uh, a referral in the Scottsdale Phoenix market um, or they have any questions, what's the best way for them uh, to get a hold of you, Jay? Yeah, they can get a hold of me at uh, my email address is the best. It's just uh, jay at platinumlivingre.com. Okay. Yep. Pretty simple, pretty easy. You can always get me there. I'm always on it. So. Awesome. Jay at PlatinumLivingRE.com. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jay. You got it, my friend. Thanks for having me. You're, you're, you're welcome. And again, if you guys have any questions, shoot us an email, Michael at MarketingLuxuryGroup.com. If you want more information on our certification, uh, please uh, send me an email or go to LuxuryListingSpecialist.com. And uh, again, keep raising the bar in real estate. Be smart, work hard, lift others up, and prove them wrong. My name is Michael Lafito, and until next time, you're listening to Luxury Listing Specialist. Take care.